Teacher disengagement. What is it? How do we address it? How does it impact our students? And oh, by the way, it happens to all of us. That's today's topic on Owl Pellets. Welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We share research-based tips and tackle the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, Mike Ritalik from Iowa State University, and Brian Myers from the University of Florida. We are your agricultural education resource across the web. Hello, Ashley Yop. Welcome to Owl Pellets. Thanks for joining us today here in beautiful Des Moines, Iowa. So tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing there at the University of Georgia, and then tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. Well, sure. Thanks for having me. Um, I am an assistant professor um, at the University of Georgia in agricultural education on our Tifton campus, which is on our research station in South Georgia. Um, And what we're talking a little bit about today is some research I did uh, for my dissertation, which was a year-long study um, an ethnography. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, a year-long, real-long study. What's an ethnography? Can you explain for the overall? I haven't thought about an ethnography in a long time. <laughs> well, it was a very deep, prolonged experience where um, I worked alongside my students for a year to understand um, different elements of student engagement and what causes students to disengage. So you did this when you were teaching? I did this when I was a PhD student at Texas A&M. So this was my dissertation research. Nice. Um, and it was it was incredibly uh, interesting, and some um, things that came out of that were unexpected. And so in my focus on student engagement, I really found that my engagement or lack thereof um, was more um, impactful on student learning and their engagement in the class in a very like reciprocal type of way. So. I think that's a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. Cool. So we talk about student engagement and disengagement. Mm-hmm. How do we, what's that look like? I mean, we kind of know what those words mean, but specifically, what, what is that? Sure. Well, I focused on multiple characteristics of student engagement um, in very deep, prolonged type of experiences, high-impact experiences, um, where I took my students on six-week um, excursions to uh, learn about research on the West Coast. And so... Some things, for instance, um, how students engage, what motivates them uh, to want to learn, uh, elements of uh, personality, what types of students really enjoy learning and what types of experiences, uh, the duration of those experiences and how sometimes that can be disengaging. And then kind of the difference between um, disruptive, like new disruptive experiences and how sometimes Um, without lots of uh, reflection and critical thinking, uh, those experiences can be actually very destructive instead of disruptive to their learning. So it's interesting as I think about like, you're an ag teacher, you're driving to work right now, listening to this out, you know, this podcast. I think all of us kind of do what Ashley did in this study, but just not as formally. So like, that's one thing that's really cool about the study is, so ag teachers, as you think about every day you go home and you're like, what the just happened to me absolutely you know and you have those one days I sure had days where I'm like I am bringing my total a game and I just don't feel like no matter what I do I can't get the energy up or I just know that like certain seasons I was out of energy and they were full of energy and 
So, you know, it's interesting as you as ag teachers that are listening to this podcast, and for us as college educators, it's neat for us to meet in the middle. You know, high school teachers that are coming into a classroom every day and teaching secondary students. And for us, some of our students aren't that far removed, right? Like they're just senior plus one. So how we engage with those. But it just, part of the study that struck me is just the self-reflection. Um, things get so crazy. If, oh, if yeah. every ag teacher, wouldn't it be cool if every ag teacher for a year just really documented and was very introspective of like, Okay, this is what the kids did today. There's plenty of research on that. But, like, what did I do today? Or how was my mood today? So that's interesting if you're listening. That's kind of the crux of this study is yeah, thinking about that every day. Absolutely. And, and the crazy part about this is that my students were the ones to kind of hone in on my disengagement. So they're the ones that brought it up. And I, at first, was very frustrated with this. Like, how dare them talk about, you know, my engagement in this class? Of course I'm engaged. Of course I'm excited to be here. But I really wasn't. And so I kind of sat in that for a while um, and rolled around in, I guess, a little bit of a shame of being a, a bad teacher at that time. Um, and the idea of ever talking about that or expressing those issues that I was having in the classroom and the fact that I was, you know, changing my students' engagement and learning was probably the hardest part. And so there was a lot of, I guess, vulnerability there um, that came around with the self-reflection that I wasn't necessarily willing to talk about. But I think it's incredibly important that we do talk about how we affect our classrooms. So what did you do to change that? I mean, we talk about, we've all had times like that, right? Where we think, I'm ready to be done with this and just walk out and I could come back in a week or so, but I need some time in order to get kind of re-excited about it. So did you do anything at that point or were you able to rectify that and, and shift how you, how engaged you were in that class? So I don't think I really did anything about it for a couple of months. I was really burned out. Like I was tired. Um, and my students were also tired and I was making that worse. And so um, it took a while to really for that to sink in and for me to understand and really pinpoint that I was the issue. Um, and then I think the best medicine for me and for my students was uh, to go back out into the field. And we had uh, great opportunities to travel and see new things together. And I think that was really um, a great uh, way to get out of that rut for me. I imagine in my high school classroom, um, it would be a lot more difficult um, because especially when I was teaching ag, going nonstop, um, the time to actually stop and reflect is almost non-existent. Um, and so I think it would have been more difficult for me to do that when I was in the classroom. So I'm just curious, like, <clears throat> what, like thinking about as an ag teacher and trying to generalize it in that direction, where is it that disengagement from an ag teacher? So like, what would be your advice for an ag teacher when you start to see a class maybe, maybe you know, act out or not seem engaged in the content? What would be the biggest things that in your self-reflection you found of like, you know, I had forgotten to think about that? Or, you know, if, if you're having that moment where you're like, these freaking kids are going bonkers. Mm -hmm. There's things that kids can do for sure. We could talk about for hours. Yeah. But, like, what is it in those moments that the teacher, what did you find that, like, might be some suggestions for, yes, the kids can get better and this is what needs to happen and it is that season. Mm -hmm. But what is it that the teacher, like, what are the key things the teacher could think about? So, for me, it was the idea of people before process. 
um, and that my students were the most important element of what I was doing. And I think a lot of times we get bogged down with paperwork and um, administration, uh, the bureaucracy of teaching, and that kind of gets in the way of the, the people that were there to teach. And so um, I, I try to think back to when I was in the classroom, I think it would have been difficult because I was in a one-teacher program, but finding ways to separate um, a lot of that paperwork um, from the students I was trying to teach and have fun. I think that we forget to have fun, and if I'm not having fun, my students are not having fun. Um, and a lot of folks take issue with the idea of fun, but my classroom was always a good time, and learning occurred there. But when we're not enjoying what we're doing, it's really difficult for that to happen. One of the observations that, that I've seen, on, and this might be a leap for your study, but as I've watched teachers and fellow colleagues, um, probably somewhat in the classroom, but certainly with uh, contest teams and those kind of things, I see where the students start taking on the personality of the teacher mm. and probably without much thought on behalf of the teacher that that's actually happening. And they're certainly probably taking in some of the positive things, but also maybe some of the things that may be less less positive. So any anything in the literature or from your experiences related to that piece? Um, what that immediately reminds me of is how uh, we talk poorly about our profession sometimes in front of our students, and that's where they pick up on yes. things. Yes. About, I mean, we don't talk about all the wonderful, amazing <clears throat> things about teaching ag all of the time around our students, but they see us so much that they see the, 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 the good, the bad, the ugly. And the, and the worst yep. of us. Yeah, and I think that, that part of that taking that on is they take, take on a lot of that negative thought processes about what we do mm-hmm. and, and not a lot of the, the I don't know, most wonderful, positive, warm, fuzzy things that we do mm-hmm. in teaching ag. How do you? Um, I don't know if the, I don't know if this is something that you struggle with, but it's something that I struggle with. So um, when I teach, I can be really excited, and I remember having this problem with my students where they would come in and be like, "Why are you mad?" And I was like, "I'm not mad. I'm thinking. This is my thinking face, <laughs> not my mad face." So I found it to be, you know, like I might. I might feel like I'm engaged and I'm enjoy- I'm enjoying myself, but I had to start thinking like, remember to to overemphasize your smile because research shows that adolescents have a really hard time differentiating between different facial expressions, mm-hmm. um, more so than they do when they're younger or when they're adults. And so, um, how do we like? What are some things that we can do to where even if we are engaged, how do we? Sh- model that for our students so that they can get a very clear understanding that yes we're excited to be there when our thoughtful face is misinterpreted as something else oh wow I've never I show every feeling that's what I said I don't know if you have this problem but I feel like when I was even when I was engaged my students sometimes had a really hard time picking up that I was engaged and Mm -hmm. I ended up like where I'd before I'd open the classroom door I'd be like okay ready set smile, let's go, right? Like, and that's not who I am, but my students needed that in order to get a very clear picture that I was excited to be there. Wow, that's incredibly mindful. We practice a lot of mindfulness to do that. I don't necessarily know if I have even thought that through. Gotcha. Hmm. But you did, because I never thought, like, maybe I'm not as engaged. I just thought, like, I need to put out there that I am. Mm -hmm. So one thing this makes me think about is my, um, my first teaching experience was at a big picture school, which was in this... It's a school that's a very different model. You have 15 kids. They're your kids for four years. Um, 
they don't switch classes, they're with you all the time, it's project-based learning. And most of them were at-risk kids that had come to you and were maybe removed from other school systems and we were kind of their last chance. And it was all 100% built on relationship and unconditional positive regard for these students. So something that your study makes me think about is um, they always told us that they trained us in our discipline that every negative behavior that came out of a student, they always trained us to first consider what you did to contribute to that behavior. And if you can't sit down with a student and have the discussion of, okay, listen, like that, and by the way, at this school, you could not suspend. You could not, like anything that removed them from the school system was not an option, period, end of question. So you had to work through it. And one of the big revelations for me is I'm sarcastic. So every now and then, I'd start talking to a student and I would say, now listen, like the words you chose to use in class yesterday were unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And in that setting, those kids taught me, well, you know, they would say like, Mr. B, well, you need to keep it 100. And when you keep talking to me about (laughs) Sarah, well, Sarah and I got some problems right now. I'd be like, whoa, time out. And I had to stop being like, no, you don't get to have, Mm. I get to tell you. But the Met was really good about saying, like, stop and let them tell you. Like, you may have made some funny joke about a boyfriend-girlfriend thing that you think is building a relationship, but that's actually a hot topic and very sensitive and kind of a tough topic that, that made that person mad. Or maybe you do come in tired today. And, you, like, there were times in the classroom where I had had it. Yeah. And because I had had it, I pushed back on a kid who then – reacted to my negative energy and like being able to own that the depth of the infraction like how severe they acted out I had something to do with that and then being mindful of that rather than prideful in administering consequences you know thinking about how that fit and to Kate's point like this idea of like being transparent because you can't you know the other thing from your study is I think you can't carry teacher guilt Like, you can't be 100% happy. You're a human like everyone else. So you're going to carry baggage. Teachers go through a lot of life changes and challenges. And so the other thing that Met taught us was being open about, like, hey, guys, I want you all to know, like, I am. I got in last night late. I'm really tired. And I just want you to know I've been exhausting myself because I take it so seriously that every one of you find purpose in my class. But I'm just going to be honest, I'm kind of exhausted and I feel like you guys aren't, it's not working. I feel like a little bit of a failure on this unit and I'm, I don't feel like I'm connecting with you and you're getting frustrated with me and I'm getting frustrated with you. And I just want to put that out there and having these family talks, you know, like oh, we, yeah. we would take a day and just say like, where's everyone's headspace? And there was room for the teacher to say, guys, I'm getting just really frustrated. Like, do you know what it's like every day to try to teach and you guys won't stop talking? (laughs) Do you know how just, it's just exhausting. So I think opening within a professional way, maintaining a professional boundary, but also having some vulnerability to show your humanness. And if you'll acknowledge their humanness in that same process, I think that's what in your study, Ashley shared this at a conference and it was emotional for her And, you know, it's hard in a podcast to realize that. But in sharing it, she was emotional because that realization of, you know, you come to school with emotion. And Mm -hmm. it's like, really, you're the only one that can know that about yourself when that emotion exists. I thought that was an interesting um, take on how you enter the classroom every day. Absolutely. And we really created um, in this course um, this very honest 
feedback loop. And it was a constant um, place where students felt like they could, you know, tell us exactly what they were thinking and feeling. Um, and we had reciprocal reflection notebooks. So they would write in my notebook. They would see how I was feeling about something. Um, and sometimes it was difficult to read, but we created that environment purposefully. And I think it, it really got us further mm. in being transparent about our own levels of engagement. And I think that's why it was with evaluation and feedback. I think the ones that hurt the most are like 50% true when you're like, yeah. yep, mm-hmm. yep, they're mm-hmm. right, they're right. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that because they really kind of shook me and said, hey, you're not engaged at all. What do you expect from us? Why would you expect anything different? And so that honest, transparent space where we got to talk about and be vulnerable um, and not carry around this, you know, shame, it, it, it was crazy. Instead of being silent about it, um, we really talked through it. There's a nugget there real quick, like just a practical, if you're a teacher listening to this, Buying a stenographer's notepad for every one of your kids for each class and having a private shelf where that goes. Absolutely. And this idea of like, it's a it's a judgment free discipline. If it if it's unless it's like suicide or you're being hurt or you're being abused, which by law you have to report. You can tell me anything in the stenographer's pad, and then I'll respond to you completely confidentially. Mm-hmm. And that's just a conversation between each teacher and the student that's silent and confidential in a notebook. That idea of having that open dialogue, I've seen that in high school classrooms, and it's a great strategy. That's fantastic. That was going to be my question was like, okay, I'm on board, right? Mm-hmm. But what do I do, right? What, how do I start this? I'm not doing a study. I'm a teacher that's like I'm going to go in tomorrow or the next day or in the fall. And like, what do I do to get started? But Marshall, that's a great idea for like, here's how to start that dialogue with your students so that they can start holding you accountable and you can really start getting to know them. And it'd be, it's great when it's like a free space where they feel super comfortable. And they won't at first. They'll keep. You know, they'll tell you what they think you want to hear. Um, and then as it goes along, you start to see. You know the depth of their reflections becoming. You know, it's just so much more content in there. But more than that, um, giving them the space to feel like it's okay to write just about anything, not taking anything to heart immediately because what's so fantastic is you get to see them change throughout let's say one notebook and they'll go back and say hey I I said these things and I was really frustrated on this day um, but now I understand why you did that or I understand what happened and it's fantastic when you give them the space to do that without repercussion every time they say something Um, it's just really wonderful to watch it grow in that way. Well, you know, I think there's some great ideas there, things on how to build that, that um, culture within your students to get feedback and talk from there. But I think it's also for about things to do. I think we go back to the thing we talk a lot of times is understand that as teachers, we're, we're people too. And you're going to have good days and bad days. And, you know, creating that chance to reflect when you know things aren't quite going well. You're going to have a bad day, but if you get two or three in a row, you're like, okay, create a space whether that's a long drive somewhere or go mow your yard or whatever it might be to, to really reflect and to take ownership as you talked about is it's not just these darn kids all the time. It's like, because again, I, I think back of any major discipline problems I probably had, <laughs> I probably pushed the, pushed the student into a lot of those things because you backed them into a corner or I was tired and, and didn't do something right. So having that chance to, to do ownership and to think about that and honestly, give yourself permission to make some mistakes. Oh, yes. Because if you're talking about having to prepare yourself to do that and learn how to do that, it's very, very important to, so, that, so that the students can see that. But then also to give yourself permission, like, you know, today I just can't fake it. 
today is just where it was going to go, and you and these guys are going to have to come with me and to make it and and to know that's going to happen there. And I don't want to end up wrap this up because we're out of time. But to remember something you said is the exact same thing I thought of um, that first semester I taught high school when the, when I was I was ready to quit the day that I beat the kids mm-hmm. out of the parking lot mm-hmm. is. I remember I got into teaching ag because I enjoyed it. It was fun. I loved working with there, and I had let a couple of students. I wasn't taking ownership for my actions to aggravate them to get here, and it wasn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. And I made the decision that I was going to make it fun every day. And it took that first day was hard. The next day was hard, but a little bit easier, a little bit easier. After about a week and a half, I had got myself back to where it's fun again. Mm-hmm. I think we can all give ourselves and our colleagues a little bit of grace. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, if I were on this podcast, I'd want to hear. Tell us, like, you know, like when I taught and I knew I was grumpy, like I knew kids probably knew I was grumpy. Like I kind of would know what would show up. Mm-hmm. What was, like, one or two really fun things that came out in the reflective journals that you're like, whoa. Like that day I knew I was grumpy. Or I knew I kind of bit at that kid. But like, whoa, I that totally blows my mind. Like I did not see that coming. What was something, just one little fun nugget like that from your responses from your students? In summary, without breaking. <laughs> <laughs> fun nugget. Um, I mean, literally the, the, when this whole study changed was when one of my youngins said, who does she think she is? What does she really expect from me? She walked in and didn't even say hello. And everything about that mm-hmm. cut me to my core. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a teacher. You know, this is what I do. This is what I love. And, and at first I was like, what does she know? Why would I can't believe she said that. And then I just sat in it. And it was rough. Um, but what was wonderful is when I did make some of those changes, and then she wrote about that again and said, she's really trying, and I know that she wants to be here. Mm-hmm. And oh, that just... Mm. I don't know. You could you could see that in writing mm-hmm. in a better way than we could see it, you know, just observationally. Mic drop. Very yeah. cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for being with us today. Folks, if you've got more conversation about this, look up Ashley up at the University of Georgia down at the Tifton campus. You're doing some great stuff. Appreciate you coming and sharing all this with Alpilots today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate what y'all do. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.